we're excited about this month. And uh, we have um, a new series this month, and the uh, title of this series is Integrity Equals Freedom. Integrity Equals Freedom. Um, You know, I, I, actually, I could just kind of stand here and talk for the next three hours on freedom. And yet, freedom can only be developed or received when a person's life, um, when a person is living an integrous life. To live that life and to be free is the way God created us to be. And, and today we're going to talk a little bit about the Declaration of Independence and the signing of it and apply that to the truth of God's Word and the freedom, the real freedom that began in and through Jesus Christ. Um, the word integrity, and I want to I look at two definitions here. The word integrity is defined as being honest, having strong moral principles, soundness, and integrity is the lack of corruption. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of different... Uh, information, a lot of books written about the founding fathers, about, you know, there's some of the more popular founding fathers. There's some people uh, that think certain people signed the Declaration of Independence that actually didn't sign it. And then there's some people that others would think, you know, they didn't sign the Declaration, but they did. There were 56 men that signed the Declaration of Independence. And, uh, these 56 men were not under a holy umbrella. I mean, <clears throat> Benjamin Franklin would not have gotten away with some things today that he found himself involved in in those days. Um, anyway, we won't drag his dirty laundry in front of the congregation today, but I mean, he was a great man, but he just had some issues, right? Anybody in here ever had any issues? <clears throat> okay, so we're all in the same boat. People have issues. People have stuff. These men, these 56 men were not perfect men, but they were men of integrity. They were men of, put that definition back up for me for a second, men of honesty. They were, they were honest and they were people that lacked corruption. They had very little revelation of God's Word compared to the revelation that is in the earth today. Did you hear what I said? These were men that had very little revelation of God. They loved God but didn't have the revelation that we have access to today because that's the way God is and the way God operates. God increases from year to year. 
200 and, what is it, 242 years ago, at the signing or the beginning of the Declaration of Independence, there wasn't the revelation in the earth as a result of what was being preached that there is today. But these men, for the most part, lacked corruption, and they were very honest men, and, and men that were, had, had sound minds. But when you think of freedom, give me my definition of freedom up here. When you think of freedom, there's a couple, actually there's three thoughts here in, this, in the definitions. I, I acquired these definitions from different sources. Um, but freedom in the part of the definition in the Merriam-Webster dictionary is the power to act and speak with no restraint. How many see that today? You can say whatever you want to say. You see it everywhere. And if somebody doesn't like what someone else says, they're going to do everything they can to crucify them, right? But they have the Second Amendment right of freedom of speech to say whatever they want to say. Is that not true? You have the right to say whatever you want to say, but does God give us that right? Is freedom just me mouthing off and saying whatever I want? Well, the next part of that definition comes from the, uh, the Greek definition in the Bible, the power of, this is freedom, the power of determination attributed to the will of the person. The power of determination, in other words, you and I have the power to determine what my attitude is going to be, what I'm going to say, how I'm going to treat other people, how I'm going to be moved by certain things. I have that power, that determination to make those choices. That's freedom. That's God's freedom. Another definition of freedom is being loosed from slavery. How many know that any type of slavery whatsoever is ungodly? No human being was ever created to usurp authority over another. We have some very weird and strange ideas. Actually, some of the some of the uh, 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence were slave owners and slave owners with attitudes. Did you hear what I said? Okay. They walked in whatever revelation that they had, but they had very little revelation about things like that. How many know that you can be stuck in the flow of society and the way society thinks, and if society's for slavery, then people just kind of a lot of times just go along with it without even thinking what they're doing and the way they're treating somebody that was created in the image of God because of the color of their skin or whatever. There's lots of different types of prejudice and slavery, not just with the color of the skin, but, but uh, religions and, and backgrounds and, and where, you, where, you were, where you came from, where you were grown. What, you know, what, the way you were raised, certain, certain prejudice just in the way people think about all kinds of things. 
But no human being was created to usurp authority over another human being. So, I want to read to you a couple things that, just some, just some personal information that, that I've looked at and studied, and I just want to talk about this for just a moment as I get into some word today. But on July 4th, 1776, 56 men met in Philadelphia to pass a, revolu- a resolution declaring their independence from England. It was anything but a picnic. What they did that day at Independence Hall would cost them greatly in the years to come. But it paved the way for a radical new way of thinking about government that would change the course of human history. It's not... I'm not going to read that. But in spite of the obvious cost... They considered the impact their actions would have for the people of America. In other words, they didn't count the cost personally, they thought of others. What does that sound like? That sounds like the gospel. They understood from Scripture that government is a sacred trust given by God to protect the inerrant rights of people created in His image. Their new document stood toe-to-toe against the prevailing governmental idea of the day. The divine right of kings, which held that, when the one on the throne spoke, it was the voice of God speaking. When the one on the throne spoke, it was the voice of God. The Declaration of Independence contended that King George was abusing his God-given power as leader of England and the American colonies because up until that point, the, uh, England ruled those American colonies. They took control over them. The people left years earlier to come to America for the freedom of religion and to be able to worship God, not under control of the king and, 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 and that, that the king usurping authority over the way that they would worship. And, and, it's, and it was their responsibility as decent men, they stated in their document, to challenge him on this for the sake of his subjects. Benjamin, wait a minute, I, I, back up. The Declaration of Independence contended that King George was abusing his God-given power as leader of England and the American colonies. It was their responsibility as decent men, they stated in their document, to challenge him on this for the sake of his subjects. Benjamin Franklin himself recommended a national motto in defense of their actions, and it was this, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. Rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. Now I'm going to read this last little piece here, and then I'm going to make a couple of comments. They listed King George's offenses against the people and against his office, 27 of them, The signers of the declaration maintained that their continued efforts to bring their grievance before the king and his appointed leaders had been met with indifference, if not oppression. They had no other recourse, they stated in the document, but to declare their independence from the tyrant who represented neither them nor the God who entrusted him with his position of leadership. They rejected his authority because King George had rejected his authority. Now, 
One of the things that we have to look at here is, and, and I really like this statement by Benjamin Franklin, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. Anytime, so, so let's take any place of authority, okay? Let's take anybody in authority. England's thoughts and, and idea to this point was that whoever was king was the voice of God. Anybody ever watched any movies of the past kings or read any documentaries on the past kings and, and some of their life and their lifestyle? Anything but God. But they were the voice of God. They were in control. So that's no different than in a church setting, like let's say gates of the city here, and I'm teaching the word and I'm teaching you that whatever I say is the gospel. Now, the Bible's real clear about things. You have to believe in people that preach the Word and bring the Word to you. You have to believe in them. You have to believe that they're bringing something that is not trying to control and manipulate you, but train you and develop your thinking. See, in, in Hebrews 13, it says, my responsibility, leadership's responsibility, the teaching of the Word is to help you renew your mind and develop your soul. That's the responsibility. So that your thinking is changed to think like God and not like how you've thought in the past. But see, if I stand up here and I'm telling you that what I say, I'm the voice of God, then I'm usurping my authority over you trying to convince you that, you know, I have some special place on the planet. That I'm more special than somebody else. I mean, if anybody's going to be special, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, we'll... we'll bring a knighthood to the Apostle Paul. If anybody deserves that. But he took the low road. When you read about his life, he even made the statement, I've, I've got all these degrees, I've done all these things, but I consider everything that I have to be nothing compared to knowing God. What the signers of the Declaration came to a conclusion about and came into agreement about was that to be free, we're going to have to set up some guidelines for people to live an integrous life. And if you and I think that we can just live however we want to and get away with anything that we can get away with and we're still going to have freedom in our life, we're deceiving ourselves. Most people don't even know the sacrifices that those 56 men made for your life and mine. Most people don't even know. Again, most people don't even know most of the people that signed the Declaration of Independence. How many know what the real big signature was? Somebody shout it out. John Hancock. But most people don't know most of the people that sacrificed. In this last statement that I was going to read to you,
But at a crucial moment in history, these men were willing to set up and sacrifice their personal comforts for the good of their countrymen. Like John Adams, each had doubts about the wisdom of breaking free from England. You ever had doubts about breaking free from some of the things that have held you back? Ever had doubts that, you know what, I think I'm just going to stay in this kind of comfort zone and not step out and begin to search and go after new ideas and new attitudes in my life. Like John Adams, each had doubts about the wisdom of breaking free from England and the prospects of their success. They were committed to the ideals of equality and responsible government. It's doubtful any of them could have imagined that the nation they birthed would still celebrate 242 years later with fireworks and feasts and all the things. John Adams had written to his wife a week before July the 2nd when they had agreed on this, that this was going to be a day that people would celebrate from, for time to come, and we're still celebrating, right? And a lot of times, <laughs> people celebrate and think it's more about the hot dogs than it is anything else. But it's the sacrifices that people made. And that's what, that's what, that's what here that we're continuing to teach. We're continuing to teach in this body how vital it is that we change. You can't stay the same and experience the liberty and freedom that you want in life. And, and, and there's, there's many things that are difficult, but it starts with the things that we say, and that's what started with them. Give, give, me, the, give me the two dates, the, the declaration and the actual freedom dates. Can you give me those? So July 4th, 1776 is what we celebrate the Declaration of Independence. That's when it was read and declared our independence. But it wasn't until 1783, I think, yes, September the 3rd, 1783, it was the Treaty of Paris that was signed where we actually had our freedom, where where our, our freedom actually manifested. So the way it is here... The way it was then and the way it is today is no different. You and I declare who we are in Christ. We fight. We win. We don't declare one day and then it's just peace after that. It wasn't with them. It wasn't at the beginning. And it's not today. We declare... The greater one lives in us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. If God is for us, who can be against us? What's the answer to that? Nobody can be successful against me if I believe he's really for me. I'm declaring these things every day. If you're not declaring the word of God, then there's no freedom. But in declaring the word of God, what we have to do is we have to get our pistol in place, 
our sword of the Spirit ready to fight. And your fight is not against flesh and blood and your neighbor or your spouse or your friends or other family members or anybody else. That's not your battle. Your battle is principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places, and they're working overtime to defeat you and clean you up and keep you from living and believing that what you declare will one day come to pass. It was actually 1781 in the Battle of Yorktown where General Cornwallis of England was surrounded and defeated in Yorktown. If you've never been to Yorktown in Virginia, it's worth going to that whole area there, Jamestown and Yorktown, and seeing the battlefields and see what actually happened there. Man, when I, when I just mention it, it just sends cold chills down my, my whole body thinking about the battles that were won there and the sacrifices that were made. That's what we're doing today. It's not actual, it's not actual battles in the spirit realm because we're not against flesh and blood. People are not your problem. I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats. They're not your enemy. And until you and I change that thinking, the nation won't change. The nation will not change until we change that thinking. Some of the most demonic strongholds and presence that I've ever felt is in political arenas or political rallies that I've been at where people are so against the opposites. The, 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 the people that they're, they're running against and they're venomous and saying all kinds of things. Till we get rid of that, change won't happen in this nation. Till we begin to be doers of God's word, not just hearers. Listen, you can have all kinds of knowledge of the word, but knowledge puffs up. The greatest, the greatest adversary to freedom is pride. The greatest ally to freedom is humility. One goes under and is risen and then lifted and exalted. The other exalts itself. In our country, Man, it wasn't perfect, and those people were not perfect. You know, they weren't in some closet somewhere, laying on their face, you know, in the Holy of Holies and praying in tongues and, and you know, and worshiping God and, 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 and living this perfect life. These were people that had issues and problems and things in their life, but they're people that rose up and said, you know what, I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm tired of watching not just myself and my family, but all of humanity suffering from these dictators and these people usurping authority because we're not able to worship God. The reason there was very little revelation is because it was hindered from being preached. But I'm telling you today, what we're expected, what's expected out of us in the revelation that we have to walk and operate in is huge. Too much is given, much is expected and required. And today, you and I 
have that responsibility to walk in the truth, to live in that truth, and allow that truth to build something in us that where we learn to sacrifice for others and not just be about ourselves. That's what started this nation. And that's right now what we have to fight for. And I promise you, if you're declaring the word and you're afraid of fighting, you're in the wrong battle. Because there's major fights. And there's times when it looks like you're not winning. There's times when it feels like you're not winning. There's times when things in your life are going on and other people tell you you're not winning. But at the end of the day, it's what he says. That's my declaration. Amen? I declare, I fight, I win. I declare, I fight, I win. Come on, let's say it. I declare, I fight, I win. We win, we win. We're winners. We're on top. We're not underneath. We're winners. We have to, out of our mouth, declare what God says is so, the way they declared that day in July 1776 and didn't actually see the victory, the actual victory, until 1781. And it wasn't sealed until 1783. Well, that's the way it works with you and I. It doesn't have to take 10 years. It doesn't have to take 5 years. It doesn't have to take a year. You just do it till it happens. Amen? That's where it becomes a way of life. I'm declaring the word. I'm not backing off. I'm not going to be moved by what I see. I'm not allowing pride to rule my life. I'm delivered of pride. I will not allow pride to rule in my life whatsoever. Can you say amen? That's what God wants from us. A couple of different scriptures. <clears throat> Proverbs 16, 18. Just some scriptures concerning this enemy to freedom. Proverbs 16, 18. <clears throat> Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride does. There's a lot of things that we that people think are pride, but there are other things that people don't identify as pride. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of subtle things that are pride that people don't identify. Anytime that God's Word tells you who you are and what you have, and then you let another person affect your life in such a way that somebody will talk you out of something, somebody will intimidate you, and to the point that you're afraid of losing something or... You know, uh, you're afraid somebody on the job is going to talk bad about you and you might lose your job. In other words, you're putting all this stock in what other people say. That's actually pride. See, in the natural, we don't see that as pride, but that's actually pride because you're not trusting God. Your faith is not in God. I'll tell you this. I wrote this down. I told my, told my wife, I gave my wife this statement the other day. God has given us endless blessings. The promises of God are endless. There's no limit to the blessings of God. 
But what God has for you is not based on what you need. What God has for you can only come to you based on the humility and the faith that you operate in. True humility in your and my life causes faith to arise, causes trust, not letting things in the natural affect us. The founding fathers had to humble themselves and say, you know what, this can't be about me because if I just, if I stick my head in the sand and it's all just about me, things aren't going to happen for this nation. You and I have to see that in the kingdom of God. There's people out there that are waiting to see somebody be on the receiving end of what God has for them and, and through their testimony about how great God is, other people's lives will be affected. But you have to think more of others than you think of yourself. That's what founded this nation. Whether you believe that or not, that's what founded this nation. Proverbs 11 and verse 2 and 3. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. Verse 3. The integrity of the upright will guide them but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. True integrity, go back to verse 2, true integrity comes from a person humbling themselves under the mighty hand of God and gaining the wisdom that they need to overcome in a situation in life. Many things that we're faced with, but your victory lies in your relationship with God and God speaking to you and delivering to you the things that you need. John chapter 7. That's a great verse of Scripture. John 7 and verse 16, and I'm going to read it in the um, uh, New Living Translation. Verse 16 of John 7. So Jesus told them, My message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. Verse 18. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth and not lies. Speaks truth and not lies. People that just speak for themselves or are just about themselves speak lies. That's what that says. You and I have to challenge ourselves to draw from the wisdom of God and not just be about ourselves. That's what we're talking about. In James chapter 1, James chapter 1 and verse 21.
says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God, accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your soul. But don't listen to God's word. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. Verse 22 again, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are fooling yourself. One translation says you're deceiving yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. So you see it, and then you walk out and you don't do it. You don't do something with it. It's like coming into church, and you hear something spoken, and you go out there and you forget about it. You don't take it serious. That's why what we hear has to be developed inside of us, has to be declared out of our mouths, and then we have to be willing to fight for what God has for us. Freedom comes when our lives become this integrous lifestyle of dying to ourself, but embracing all that God has for us. Like I said earlier, to receive from God, it takes humility and faith. I'm not going to just receive from God because I know something. I have to do something with it. It's not what I know that really matters, it's what I do with what I know. And when I do something with it, and I keep it before my eyes, and I meditate on it, then it becomes, it becomes what God intended for it to be. The signers of the Declaration of Independence declared that, and declared it throughout the years. Over time, people quit declaring and saying, and, and, and repeating what that really meant. And, and there, there's been a season or a time in this nation where people haven't realized where their liberty and their freedom came from. You won't realize how free you really are if you're not declaring the Word of God. And you're not doing something with what you say. So, today I just wanted to paint this picture in the beginning of this series of how important it is for us to want to fight for the freedom that we have. Jesus paid the price for it. The devil's doing everything he can to keep you from realizing how free you really are. And God wants you and I fighting for it and then winning. And our winning and our liberty and our freedom is for the good of other people. Because when you're free, you can't keep it to yourself. When you're liberated and free... When you know who you are, when you're the healed in Christ and you believe it, when you're blessed and prospering because of the economy of God and understanding how God operates, not looking at the world and looking to people or looking, you know, for your help, you know, your your victory and all you need draws nigh from God. It comes from God. And God wants you to believe that. And if we don't believe that, then the enemy will come and steal that. And you know what? Generations and generations will go by because God's coming for a people that believe they're free. Not just talk about being free. You can talk about it all day long. You can wear people out telling them that. 
I mean, you know, it, I, I, get a, I get around a lot of different pastors and pastor groups and stuff, you know, and it's like they talk and talk and talk. Everybody talk and talk and talk and talk. And talk's great. But if we're not doing anything with it, it's not producing. You can talk till the cows come home, and it's not going to create freedom in our lives. We have to declare, and then we have to fight for that and stay with it and not quit. And when we don't quit, we win. The Bible says that. The Bible's real clear. Those that don't quit, they win. Can you say amen to that? We win. Look what he said in verse 24. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. In other words, we forget the things that we hear preached. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for your doing it. Can you say amen to that? I'm going to read verse 25 again. If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Amen? God wants you blessed and empowered in every single thing that you do. Amen? As I was reading, uh, as I was doing some reading and studying about the founding fathers, the 56 founding fathers, there was about 20 of them that what came against them were, were, you know, a number of them, it was life-threatening. Several of them died as a result of attacks during, during the war from 1776 until the end in 1781. And during that war, during the Revolutionary War, there, there were many of them that, you know, lost their homes, uh, and, and they were targeted because of their signing the Declaration. When you declare the word and you stay with it, it's like you're signing a declaration, right? And when you sign it and you say, you know what, I'm believing this, there's a bullseye that gets on your life. And then he will come after you. And I've seen through the years, time and time again, I've seen people that started strong and then they gave in. I've seen many, many people through the years start strong. They look good in the beginning. They look good around turn one. Man, looking good. Speaking the word, staying strong. You know, a few battles, but man, we're winning. About halfway in the first turn, second turn, start getting a little weary. There's the guy to hand the baton off to, but I'm just going to run it myself. I'm just going to make this thing happen. All of a sudden, they get out of themselves. They start doing it like we just read in John 7. They start thinking to themselves, trying to figure it out for themselves, and they begin to quit. They get weary. They get tired. They start throwing the towel in. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. Do what? You're not going to do this anymore? What are you going to go do? You understand? I'm not just talking about this church or being in this church life. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. I've seen so many people that were a part of the church, and today they're not. Why? They quit. Why? They got weary. Why? They threw in the towel. 
I mean, it got too tough. You start reading about the the signers of the Declaration. Like I said, a lot of them lost their homes. Uh, Homes were burned to the ground. They were killed. Their families were killed. I mean, all kinds of things happened. They were imprisoned. Uh, uh, About three or four of them were imprisoned even after the war ended. And they were still in prison after the war ended. Finally got free. But they were willing to do whatever it took and fight and stand to the end. And today you and I have that freedom. Jesus Christ was willing to do whatever it took for you and I to be liberated and free. Now what we have to do is embrace and receive through humility and faith all that he's done for us. And when we do that and we don't quit, then we, we are on the receiving end of all that he's accomplished for us. Right? It won't just happen because he accomplished what he accomplished. It has to come by you and I being declarers, being willing to fight the fight of faith, and walk in humility and win the battles. This month is the month of freedom. That's what we're preaching about. That's what we're talking about. And we're not backing off from it. Who the sun sets free is what? Free indeed. Amen? We are free people. We have the right to be free. You don't have to be tortured and tormented in your mind with anything whatsoever. You can be free of any and everything. Listen, most of the torture in this country is in the mind. I'm not saying all of it, but a lot of it is in the mind. Other countries, other places, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of horrible, horrific things going on around the world. Human trafficking is off the charts in this, in, 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 on, on planet Earth even through the United States of America, it's off the charts. shouldn't be that high. But until people's thinking changes, until people become declares of the Word of God that we're not putting up with this kind of thing, and I'm not talking about just fighting in the flesh. There's things in the flesh you go do, but you got to do it under the direction of God for things to really work. It's not going to happen because you pass some bill or whatever. I mean, it'll help a little bit, but we got to be people in the spirit realm that get a hold of this thing and stop it. Human trafficking, the only reason that there's human trafficking is because there's a stinking appetite for it. No other reason there wouldn't be any of it if there wasn't an appetite for it. That's got to stop. It's got to stop. Got to stop. But it will not stop if we don't declare. If we get focused on the natural, how are we going to fix this? I'm going to go to 15 countries and we're going to take a team of people and, you know, take our tanks and we're going to pull in there and we're going to blow everybody. It's not going to work. It starts first and foremost in the spirit realm. Now, if that's what we're supposed to do, once we get it from the spirit, then it'll work. But just doing something in the natural is not the key. We have to be declares of the Word of God to see things stop and things change. Can you say amen? In every way and in every situation.